Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. Let's go, they said. They said, let's go. And so we went. Good morning, everybody. It's a decent one-time fish song. Let's go. You remember that? I forgot about that. Yeah. Totally forgot about that. A Mike song that came and went. Are we going to talk about summer 2016? I don't think so. I think we can break it to the fans that we will not be talking about summer 2016 in yeah. the series. Yeah, give it away. I don't think it's happening, um, but but we are here to talk about number 23 on the on the on the tour list. A um, another one where we went went off the uh, the official tally. Um, had to, had to. Yeah. Um, this is this is the Helping Friendly Podcast. If you haven't figured that out already, then you're probably in the wrong place. But. Um, <laughs> For those for those of you who are here intentionally, the unfriendly welcome. helping fr- friendly podcast is yeah. uh, recording over that way. Over that way, if you're looking for something else, then you know that's fine. Um, we are we're here on the morning of a, a big. There's a big controversy in the in the jam of the year world. Mm. Huge people are Speaking people of are the community. Yeah, people are just <laughs> angry, and some people are happy. It's very interesting. Um, what what kind of fish news do we have before we get into it, Brian? You're going to Mexico. I'm going to Mexico in less yeah. than 48 hours. It's crazy. That's amazing. Wait, so you're doing Tuesday? So exciting. We get it on Tuesday. Um, wow. I cannot handle traveling on a show day. Uh, just not able to do it. Um, <laughs> props so to everyone out there days. who can. So you're giving me days. Well, no, they start playing on Wednesday. They do? Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's different no this Sunday? year. No mm-hmm. Sunday. No, I fly back on Sunday. Yeah. Um, Nobody told me this. Well, I'm telling you because I You're just read the, uh, I read the 31 page manual that they sent out <laughs> yesterday. I think I'm it's kind of a good idea as well. Did you actually I, print I it out? It and I highlighted <laughs> and I starred it and I dog-eared a couple pages. There's some there's oh some you know, important stuff. I just don't want check-in to be like super stressful, you know what I mean? Uh, I want to like yeah. feel nothing like is I got to tell you. Nothing. I got to tell nothing you. Is. Nothing's stressful. 
If, if yeah. anything's People stressful there, if anything's stressful for you there, it's your fault. Exactly. Just, just tell you that. I, I would say if, if there's like a set two closing, like Susie Golgi possum, like a, with like a five minute 2001 in that second set, like that would not be my fault. Okay. That's fair. That would be well, stressful and that would not that's be true. my fault. That's called having expectations. And we all know, we all know. The You're not allowed. You can't do that. So I, <laughs> um, I've been spending the last week meditating to tamp out every single expectation in my entire life. Don't forget, you're going to turn into a vibes guy in Mexico. Total, Remember? total. It's all, it's yeah. all going to be the vibes with his. Can yeah. we, um, Brian? Can we tell people to come say hi to you if they see you, or do you want people to stay away from you? Yeah, you can say hi to me. <laughs> okay. I'll be hanging out, arms crossed, yeah. waiting, waiting for that moment. You know, <laughs> just like letting the breeze take me over. Maybe eating a taco. I'll, I'll be having a good time. I'm yeah. excited. It's my first vacation nice. without my kids since my first kid was born. Like this is this is a oh big my moment. God, yeah, that's why we're we're, really we're like deal. you deserve we it. We don't know how to how to handle it. It's it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, you're gonna be you're doing it the right way though. You're going somewhere where they're gonna take care of you. It's gonna be great. Yeah, it's gonna be really great. Just make sure you you know as we were discussing, just make sure you get your your orders in for room service. You See know, now every meal. This is why I'm reading the Beth. manual. Yeah, it's the best. It's incredible. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Brian's going to Mexico along with some other people and fish. Um, we have the following week. I'm going to be in Burlington, Vermont. Is it, this is um, if you're going to be in Burlington for the well, if you're going to be in Burlington at all, please come to the the reprise shows. We have the shows all picked out. They're going to play one show on March 1st and one show on March 2nd, and on February 29th, Thursday, I'm going to be interviewing. Graham Lesh um, on stage at Nectar's before nice. the Midnight North show. So we're going to have a little Burlington weekend coming up. And anyone who's in the area, check out Nectar, live at Nectar's.com for tickets and stuff like that. Um, what else? We, we, gave a, we gave some love to our friend Ryan Jewell last week, um, who's doing lessons. And Megan, I know you posted, posted about it. And Brian, you, you spoke all your, you shared all your praises about Ryan Jewell. I just want to say, Glowingly. just everyone check out find ryan jewel and and you know hang out with him um that's all i got is there There any other other piece of news there is round room has hit the number one billboard chart for vinyls brian doing his part to add to that but that's pretty cool right look i play the long game in life and one of the (laughs) long game opinions i've had is that round room is the best album that fish ever made it's the most fish sounds like fish on now wax um i i'll take your praises here i'll take the uh you know (laughs) i I told you guys so okay this is this is the number one it's proof in the pudding i like how the forbes article about this includes a picture of fish from spring 1993 just like does not ever so good the national (laughs) media has no idea how to cover fish um why start now why start now there is one other piece of fish news Fish is releasing the Spectrum 97, yes. yeah, 12 2 and 12 3 97. It is about time. About time. And they're releasing yeah. it on CD, and probably months later, we'll put it on streaming services. I am so thankful that I still have one car that has a CD player in it because I'm buying this box set just so I can play that second set in the soundboard from 12 2. That Mike's, that Simple, that Dogface, boy, that Yamar. Oh, my God. It's my favorite set of Fall 97, so I'm very excited. They 
they took their time with it, but um, I'm glad it's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, everyone's demanding 1114.97 before we get to Philly 97. How about that, guys? No, I don't, I don't know who is. Um, <laughs> Brian, a lot of chatter I saw online this week are of the with the question, do people actually listen to CDs? So, so just mm-hmm. what's your take on this? Because I'm I'm still confused. I mean, it's very impractical. I have no means. I have I have a boombox in my garage that I use when I clean out the garage in the spring and the fall, but it's not really practical outside of that. Um, I have a car with a CD player, but like streaming is more practical. It's easier to do. Like at the end of the day, I would use my boombox and I would use the CD player in my car more. But I have Sonos speakers and I have my phone already doing like the uh you know the map of where i'm going and it already is showing all my text messages from ryan storm yelling at me about musical opinions and so like why wouldn't i have my music there as well um but that said i am excited to have these in cd form because it kind of reminds me of like the random dave's picks series i buy you know i'll buy like a dave's pick show that i really want and then it's fun to listen to a dead show on cd it's similarly fun with fish so that's kind of my my take how about you guys? You know, the young kids, the young kids like CDs. My daughter buys all the Taylor Swift CDs, back. all the Olivia Rodrigo CDs, mm. all the Phoebe Bridger CDs, all the Boy Genius CDs. She buys them all. She uses my boombox that I use to listen to dead tapes, and she listens to that on it. So it's it's still a thing. Well, apparently. <clears throat> apparently. Mm-hmm. Um Ryan commented on my background. I just want to just just say that that's um so fancy. If anyone knows who um, <laughs> Cecil Rhodes is, um, that, that's that's who this is. I'm in my father-in-law's uh, office, so you know we can talk about colonial Africa later, um, especially <laughs> if he joins. Nice office. Yeah, that's the bonus li- episode it's, this week. It's a, it's a true library with like a fireplace and everything. I was anyway, say, the um, mantle behind you in the office—that is a sign of like. You have to go through six uh, secretaries to get to me. Yeah, there's some like, yeah, there's some <laughs> pictures of him with famous people here. Um, okay. So I want to just say, first of all, we're, we're in fall 2018, of course. Um, I want to just, actually, before we talk about that, I want to just play a voicemail from someone who's um, just sharing a little bit of um, appreciation for, for this series, which I, I really liked. Um, oh, awesome. I know. It's really great. Um, oh boy, I wonder. Oh no. Ah, hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, that. Okay. <laughs> great live audio commentary, yeah. RJ. Yeah, remember when I had so the? Mm, remember yeah, when I had the? Um, remember when I had the 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 problem, and I'm using. I have to use Firefox now. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. So you, you now I need to. Still happening. Chrome. No, but now I'm in Chrome with the voicemails. Well, but we're here. We're good. Oh, here we go. You did it. Let you me did see. it. Tell me if you can hear this. I can't hear anything, RJ. Great. No. So while while we figure this out, while we transition to Firefox, um, we are we do not have fish summer tour dates yet. That is the is only other piece of news that What's going um, on? we have it's goose. We have Dave Matthews. We have all the. I can't imagine Fish is going to announce summer tour this week with Mexico coming up. No. So I'm guessing it's going to be next week. But do you guys have any thoughts or 
uh, insights into where and when this tour will be? No. Cool. Nope. Good answer. Any I just know that there's probably. I just know that there aren't going to be Philly shows. Um, oh, because of Delaware, that makes sense. Yeah. So okay. Besides that, like I, you know, I have no idea. I, I hope that we're, you know, I really hope that we can get some. Um, I don't know. I mean, what what's going to happen? I've seen My rumors of like be... out west. I've seen rumors about east. I've seen I've seen all kinds of different things. Yeah, we haven't had like a full West Coast since uh, summer 2021 and fall 2021. So it'll be two and a half years at this point. Um, I'm guessing we'll have that. I'm guessing we're not going to have a Northeast thing because of the festival, but I would not be surprised if that is fall, if they end up doing anything over the fall, if that is up Northeast, like those Worcester type, um, Albany type Ooh. locations type of stuff. That'd be fun. Um I got to imagine Atlanta's back on it. I've got to imagine we're ending the summer at Dick's. So it's kind of you would have you would imagine this will be structured similar to summer 2018, where it starts out west, comes back east, and then I don't want to say anything negative here, but has the festival. You know what I mean? Like that one, that one no, suppo- was supposed to negative? end with the yeah, festival. Oh, this oh, one, oh, got yeah. it. <laughs> I just don't want to bring up bad thoughts here. I'm still confused okay, about what you're talking about, but, but I like the fall tour idea. I'm, I'm I know, in, I'm that would be great for me. Everybody can come and come and stay in the Berkshires and we can go to Albany. That's great. Ryan Storm is insinuating based on rumors that uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota is on the tour mm. route. And that would <laughs> kind of make me laugh. I have heard those Bethel dates uh, that ahead of the festival, yeah. there will be Bethel. So we'll see. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's weird that we're not getting dates, but, you know, it's just it's just how it is for now. And and we'll we will eventually. I think that's the that's the main thing. Um, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Not happening. Fish has not played South Dakota. That would be amazing, though. It would. would I might go to that show, to be completely honest. That would be a... That would be pretty cool. Um, Okay, so Brian Brian says, I just copy-paste. That's that's how you get in trouble. That is how things Yeah, be careful. Yeah, you you (laughs) got to be careful. Okay, can we try this again, guys? Please. Um, Let's do it. This is just... It's such bad, like you said, Brian, just such bad... It's just, we're just not doing a great job here today. People, people, don't, <laughs> you know? come, people don't come here for our uh, professionalism. Let's be real. <laughs> Good point. Sioux Falls would be the 11-298 of the tour. Ryan, I love you so much, and I don't want to young Ryan you, but um, that has been said about 15 other shows, and they were not the 11-298 of their respective <laughs> tours. I'll just, I'll just put that out there. Unbelievable. Um, okay, so what, what were we ranked here? What are, we, what are the rankings that we're dealing with? Yeah, let's talk about that. So, so fans had this tour ranked at, let me just pull up my master doc here, number 30. Wow. So there are four tours on our list that the fans ranked outside of the top 25. We did one last week, which was spring 92, that the fans ranked as 34. And we have a couple coming up in the next mm, three or four months as we go through this that are ranked outside of this 
Megan, why do you think that this was ranked outside of the top 25? And why do you think that we have this within the top 25? Well, as I was looking at the way the fans were voting, I think there's a real bias against 3.0 tours. I think people just don't want to admit their importance. I think there's a lot of feelings that it has to be like 1.0 to be the best. But to me, this tour is really important and deserves to be where it is. Um, I think they had a lot to prove after the Baker's Dozen. And this is their first kind of non-gimmick, really high-level tour since 2015. So it had been a while. And I think this tour is really important. And listening back, it also, I think, is important for what it kind of signified for the band about their ability to to make new music and go towards a Halloween set of totally original songs and how that influenced their jamming. And we'll see that again in like 2021 too. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think as I'm looking at our overall master list, there are four tours that the fans rated within the top 25 that we moved out in replacement for these four tours that we've uh, included last week and then this week and then two more that will be coming um, as I'm looking through it three of those are 1.0 tours yeah that I think we would all agree are very good but are kind of it would and they're 90s tours uh, obviously it, it would seem that they are only in there because it's the 90s and people upvote the 90s and they upvote 1.0 I will note that one of the tours the fans had in the top 25 that we moved out is a 4.0 tour. So we are just as critical of this era mm. as we are okay. um, praising of it. But I think you're absolutely right. Um, the way you put it, that like this comes after the Baker's Dozen and shows the promise of what the Baker's Dozen showcased outside of the like, mm-hmm. like the Baker's Dozen is this like beautiful experience of setless creation and jamming and surprises and weird bust outs and weird one-time covers and jokes and gimmicks. It's like everything you could ever want about fish all in 13 shows. And I think that there was a sense coming out of the Baker's dozen, at least I felt it and it felt permeated throughout the fan base that, um, that either had to be replicated or it wasn't sustainable because what they had done was so different from what came before, you know, like you think about 2016 fish, there's yeah. some really good parts, but like, there's not a lot of risk taken. There's not a lot of embracing of like the nostalgia of fish. The Baker's dozen did all those things. And this tour to me, the summer 2018 tour feels like they're trying to run from the Baker's dozen in my mind. Like they're trying to get as far away from what made that special. So they don't fall into the trap of just recreating that night after night. But fall 18 felt like the time when they realized the best parts of the Baker's Dozen, the jamming, the experimentation, the risk-taking, the trust, the friendship that they had, even the humor when you think about like Casvote Vox could be could be made anew for Fish. And I think that without mm-hmm. this tour, we're not where we are today in 4.0. Yeah, I think this is so different than 2017 sound-wise. Totally agree. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Like it doesn't sound some of the sounds that you hear in it, which we'll talk about, like are just not present in 2017 and the Baker's dozen. I think it's just amazing. I, I just for me, like this was really probably when I was the most um appreciative of fish since like ninety-seven because mm. I had yeah. we just started Osiris, I was seeing more shows. Um 
we saw like I went to the three Hampton shows, you know, we were it was like the fall. It was just like a it felt like a celebratory time. And and Brian, we saw a few of those shows in Vegas, although I left before the best show, um, which you saw, <laughs> which we'll talk about. But um, I don't know. I, I feel like this is a, a notable tour. But going back to it, I, it as as with all these tours, you know, you go back and you listen and it kind of sounds and feels different from from when you what you remember going into it um on that note i want to just a, a long awaited um voicemail i just want to share from someone who really um is appreciating what we're doing here which i just i just i want everybody to hear this okay you guys we need ready? that this morning watch this yeah you know uh but uh oh right first time long time you know uh but uh thanks all of you for doing the podcast it's really great and I've noticed uh, since you started the 40 for 40 series, it really helps me decide which fish to listen to next. And so as of right now, I'm really deep in spring 92 in a way that I haven't been since I was putting cassettes in the mail. All right, rock on to you all at Mondegreen. See that? We're, we're changing wow. lives here. You know, it's not just about who thinks which jam is great. It's about the it's about the relationships and the fun we're having along the way. You know? I think that's what we've always said going into this. Like this this year is not about are we right, are you wrong? I mean, we are right, you know. Um, but <laughs> what it is about what it is about is saying let's focus on a specific period in fish history for a 10 day period in time. Let's text about that. Let's understand those those sounds and those ideas. Let's have the fan base do it as well. Let's have our listeners do that as well. And I think that's a good thing. Focused, intentional listening. Man, I'm all about that. Come on. Yeah, I think so, these listening projects have been just super inspiring for me. And also, I think, for, for listeners too, which is so exciting. Megan, tell, do you want to tell us about the tour? Do you want to get into yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this tour is you know, coming off of the curveball cancellation and then the Dick's run. So I think they also have, you know, anytime you take something away from Trey that he really wants to do, I think he's lit up after it. And I feel like <laughs> he came into this tour just like lit up. Um, they've got two shows in Albany, three shows in Hampton, two in Nashville, three in Rosemont, Illinois, which has such a special place in my heart. I just have to tell you guys this little story about Rosemont. I saw my second ever dead show there, my first indoor dead show. And I took off school. I like played hooky and I drove to Illinois with my friend and we took these tabs of sunshine and they opened second set with here comes sunshine. And mm. my whole world just exploded. And I'll never forget, you know, it's like the first time you see fish or the grateful dead inside, it just changes everything. And I, I'll never forget that moment. So this place has such a special spot in my heart. And I loved listening back to these shows and remembering that moment. It's the only time I've Love ever it. been there too, which is so cool. And then of I course, I used to see tour, the Chicago wolves. I, I was just going to say, I used to see the Chicago wolves play hockey there like weekly with my dad. And no then way. I saw a bunch of concerts there when I was a kid. And then my very first fish show, which was also the last time I was at the Allstate Arena, the Rosemont Horizon, uh, was 220, 2003, 21 years ago on Tuesday. So wow. you got your second dead show. I got my first fish show there. It's a it's a <sighs> beater of a Midwestern mm -hmm. arena. Like it sounds like shit inside. There's no good amenities. The everything about it kind of sucks, but I love awesome. it so but you so love much. it. 
like we're all from the Midwest. We know what that is. And like, there's just something about like driving from where you are in the Midwest to these beat up venues. And I'll still remember like where I was standing, I was standing like above Brent on like the, one of the like mezzanines or whatever. I don't remember how it's set up, but like looking down on the band and I just have such strong memories of that moment. I was 17. It's just, it's fun. So fun to listen back to this. That's it. Okay. Back to it though. Um, of course, this tour all leads up to the four nights in Vegas uh, when they play Casbah Box. Is it three or four? Four nights, four. Halloween, four and nights. three nights afterwards. Yeah. It was it was yeah. a run, baby. That was a big run, and this tour has thirty nine entries on the Jam Chart. Fourteen shows, thirty nine entries. So that's almost three Jam Charted songs per show. And I think there's also a handful that aren't on the Jam Chart that should be. So pretty great. So, okay. I just want to, well, let's, let's talk about this, the sound. What I, to me, like you go into like the first show and just the Leslie being in full effect everywhere everywhere is like, that's one of the, the main sounds for me, but, but obviously there's this, you know, kind of industrial kind of sound with so many layers and so many textures on top and, and Trey, leading it you know it, it, page pages i think in that the baker's dozen you heard a lot of like page layering a lot of effects in some of those jams that made them sound really different from what they had done before but then trey started like like brian pointed out here he totally uh overhauled his rig at the end of 2017 and it just i don't know they're just there's so many layers and it's kind of unrecognizable in in terms of sound if you were just listening to like 2017 and then you jump back to to this yeah i mean i i still go back to the idea that like the baker's dozen was such a huge success and i think probably bigger than the band even thought that they had to like escape it to a certain degree um but there were Mm -hmm. also really important lessons picked up from it and you hear it almost i mean it's crazy to think that so the baker's dozen ends they play dicks there's four months off they play four msg shows i think we all would argue those four msg shows from late 2017 are really really good that's an excellent excellent new year's run that caps off 17 shows at msg in a given year and then they take seven months off six months off like six and a half, I guess. Like they don't play again until mid July, 2018. And it's really clear that like Trey is at this point in his career where he has the ability to completely overhaul his rig after a given year and reinvent himself. Um, But you hear early, like summer 2018 is an interesting tour to me in the sense that I don't think it's incredibly consistent. It's not like, one of my favorite tours, but it has some really, really important tentpole jams like the gorge night three, the set your soul free from, um, San Francisco, a couple of things from Atlanta, um, the down Z's from Camden. Like there's just some really important jams that happen through that tour that prelude what is to come with fall 18, which feels like there's now one gap between there's one tour between them and the Baker's dozen. So they don't have to like respond to that in any sort of way. They have this Halloween album coming up that they're going to debut. That is kind of that middle ground between wingsuit and chilling thrilling. It's really fun, but it also has like really endearing sincere songs, but it's like more of a showpiece for the band. And a lot of those songs came out of, uh, supposed jams that were supposed to be used during the uh, cu- the uh, curveball uh, late night set. 
And so then you have, you know, the inflection of pages since, which were so, like you're saying, RJ, were so big during the Baker's Dozen and Trey's Leslie that's not as, you know, in your face as it was over the summer and a band that's playing venues that they have played excellent shows at in years past. I mean, all these venues on this tour are huge, huge venues for this band. And so they're comfortable they don't have like anything to prove really at this point in time. And they're kind of just bank back in that like tinkering woodshedding period. Um, and like mindset where that's like my favorite place for fish. Like I was listening to jams again from this tour yesterday and it's just like one person throws an idea, an idea and the next band member picks up on it. And then the next guy, and it's just, that's happening over and over again in very different stylistic ways. So it, it, it kind of, to me is like my sweet spot of what I love about fish. They don't have anything to prove, but they're still trying to tinker. What are you guys thoughts? Yeah, I think that this exploratory nature, this really diverse, really conversational jamming, there's no kind of crutch or direction these jams always go in. You know, they're not blissy. They're not always dark. They're just so patient and they just really allow the jam to breathe. It feels like they're kind of searching in those dark corners jamming. Like it's, they're really just willing to go anywhere. And, and like you said, it's so conversational in a way that just stands out. And it's, it's so exciting to listen to because it never feels hurried. It's always feels like they have all the time in the world. Uh, Would you that. say that they're, they're willing to go everywhere and feel everything? I would. And I would okay. recommend that as well. <laughs> yeah. It's a good way Shout to Shout out to the 2021 yeah. jam of the year. Um, Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> guys. Um, okay, Megan, how many, how many uh, jam chart entries did you say there were? 39. 39. Wow. I think like they're all... In, in contrast with the nine 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 hundred or whatever from the last spring tour ninety two, they're all they're all good, all good tours, all yeah. good. Um, what do you guys have a top two? I, I think I know. I know what Brian's I number do. one is. I'm pretty sure. But Brian, why don't you start then? Since RJ knows, okay. I know too. Okay, okay, okay. Mine is the uh, ten twenty seven no men in no man's oh, land uh, second. <laughs> <laughs> second night of so Allstate Arena. Um, by this point in the tour, um, we we kind of knew what to expect with these shows. And I say that in a good way. Like the set lists were really strong throughout this fall tour. There's not a lot of thrown away second sets. There's a lot of creativity throughout. The first sets have a ton of jamming, even in like the 10 to 13 minute range. Um, And you are pretty much guaranteed at this point in time of one standout jam that will kind of blow your mind. And so we get to the, you know, Saturday night show in Chicago and midway through the second set, you get this 27 minute version of no man in no man's land that is beautiful at times, but really makes a move and like a push towards the dark side and really showcases this thing that has become pretty normal in fish jamming over the last couple of years. But in fall 2018 was still pretty shocking. This kind of demented jamming that is not interested in a peak at all. Like there's no yeah. desire to move into a minor key or to a major key and like 
get the white light celebratory jam. Like we, we don't need that. What we need is to descend into the underworld and play this weird riff that sounds like it could be, um, uh, you know, like a Radiohead outtake type of thing. Um, it's got like electronic elements to it. There's like an industrial type jamming to it. And there's like a fish, there's that kind of fish communication humor that um, you hear them do this throughout their career where if you are in a altered mindset at a fish show, you feel that they are fucking with you intentionally and you like specifically like there is a (laughs) moment where fish will do something if you are in that right mindset where you're like you guys know what is going on right now and you're just fucking with me and i love it and please keep doing it and that riff at the end of the no man in no man's land is that moment where it's just like yeah we're going to take you all on a journey and you are going to be horrified while you're going on it um really reminds me of this movie i just watched midsummer that like the whole movie is about like just like twisting a knife in you and kind of laughing the whole time. And, and it's really kind of fun. Um, this jam also, I'll just say last thing, like there were a lot of rumors at this point in time that they were going to cover an album by the band, the residents. And there were all mm. these Easter eggs that were laid that it was a band that released their biggest album in like 1981 and that influenced fish more than any other band. And then there was a picture of Trey from the sound check in, I think, summer 97 uh, in Europe wearing a residence shirt. So there were all these like internet sleuth pieces put together. And then they played this jam and this jam kind of sounds in the style of what this band plays. So this was like peak. They are going to play the residence on Halloween. It is going to blow people's minds. It's going to be terrifying. Um, So you had that element to it as well. But this jam definitely holds up oh yeah thank you brian great great call the um album artwork throughout this tour turned from like a face like a weird top hat to just an eyeball with a top hat which is the band's logo so you had that element as well i knew there was one other thing and Um, i think fishman wore a shirt like in one of those shows leading up to it like backstage i think you're right yeah yeah or like backstage he did yeah yeah yeah. so there were all these little hints and then this jam happens But beyond that, like this jam holds up. When you listen back to this, this sounds like a direct turning point to where Fish is at in 4.0. So that's my number one. I will cede the floor to you guys. I just want to, can I just give a, I don't know if this is number one, but I just want to pick up on the theme Brian was communicating about being terrified. Because I think the, to me, I I mentioned I saw all three of the Hampton shows. And I didn't, the first night is the night that I remember the least, um, oddly, but the the golden age from the first night is just similar yeah. like the yeah. shipwreck quotes that just i mean it's really it's a really 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 fun adventure and it's not even really a jam in that in the sense that i traditionally think of jam you know it's not like a big build or or multi it's just it's just like an uh, it's it's more for like just yeah fucking with people i think they were i think they were really kind of at their peak of just messing with the audience and, and making sure that, you know, anything that they, that they did and wanted to do was just, you know, for fun. Like the, those Hampton oh shows God. were just, it's just so much fun, but this, this gold and, and by that first night, the, the rogue is really great. Like the soloing is great. The undermine is great. The, the first set's kind of like skippable on paper, but um, really good playing, but 23 minute golden age with the sh- full of shipwreck quotes. And it just, 
and it just melts perfectly into twist. And that's a really, really fun piece of music. The last bit of that is so incredible. I was just listening to that again this morning. It's just completely drifting. They're just in no hurry. They're completely just hanging out in this weird space. It's so good. And the way that Twist creeps out of that with the shipwreck quotes over the beginning of Twist, too. It's oh, so good. I was listening to that yesterday and realizing that like the shipwreck start shipwreck stuff starts at like 1530 on the yeah. live fish tracking. And there's like another eight minutes. Like they just <laughs> land in and like hang out in that zone for so long. It's great. Exactly. It's like that idea of saying like this, I, there's just no hurry to go anywhere. It's so great. My pick for my number one jam of this tour though, is the 1023 Nashville ghost. I just love how this is like the beginning of the tour almost. And it's so interesting right off the bat, just completely interesting. Like three minutes in right when the song ends, they find this cool space. It's dark. It's deep. It's crunchy. Mike is unbelievable. I would say on this whole tour, Mike sounds so good. He's really setting the tone for this jam though. Trey has like this muted effect going, pages on the piano. It's so dramatic. It's so intense. And everyone's just making these incredible textures. And I don't know what Fishman's playing like nine, 11 minutes in, but it adds so much to it. It has this like weird tinny percussion sound to it. Um, and then the jam totally pivots at like 1130 and Paige just pushes it in a totally new way. And the last few minutes again, end in that really like fascinating, weird space. And it grinds to that kind of slow, evil end of time stop, which I just, I love when a jam doesn't peak and just kind of grinds down. It's so fun. Yeah, I mean, there's that whole second set, the Mike's Ghost, everything's yeah. right, set yourself free. Then you get um, Circus and Weekapog. Like, I, I think it's a perfect second set. And I think yeah. the Ghost is absolutely the standout. It's always sounded to me like Mike and Trey are in the middle of a angry duel that they're having. Yeah. You know, when you like, you know, like, I, I don't know, I'm just thinking back to being like, uh, kid and like you rough house with your friends and like you love each other and you really like each other but like you're actually like trying to like pin the other person down um yes. like I it feels like that, that. third grade recess <laughs> right like like it yeah. feels like like i'm trying to compete with you here like mike and trey but also like we're in a duel that is like more fun the, like the the it's it's almost um like a weird psychedelic spinoff of like when like blues guitarists just like look at each other and just play riffs back and forth through each other. Yeah. But it's like actually good. Um, I don't know. I, I love this. And, and the mic song is super wild. It never goes into the second yeah. jam. It just goes into a completely different ends. key in a really weird way. It's so wild. I love it. It's yeah. such a great set. That's incredible. There, there's a, there's some part in the mics where um, in the early part of the jam, Trey is making is kind of like playing a slight variation on the main riff and making it a little bit more like melodic than usual. And it just kind of like pushes the whole jam in a different direction, you know, and, and it is all the first jam, but um, it's a really, it's a great, great set. Um, sorry guys, let's just do a quick. Can we do is really, really extending the analogy here. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been there. I've been there. I just Get want it. to do a quick, um, a quick history lesson, dive into the past, if if you will. I said Rogay oh, earlier, yes. and Connor said that's how you pronounce Rogay. And then Ryan jumps in and says, it's actually a soft G, Rogay. And let me just let me just show you guys something real quick. Well, this, this won't take long. Let's go back to the Halloween 1998 fish bill. And 
where um, this ad was in the in the fish bill. Um, <laughs> the first and only pill clinically proven to treat pattern dreadlock loss in man and men. <laughs> and at the bottom of this ad, you can see where it says Roguet. You can see. Can you see this? You yeah. see the pronunciation at the bottom. Roguet. Can you can you guys see that on here? I can see it. Yeah. So wow. I just want to just, just quick. It's just a quick lesson. There would be there would be an accent if it was a, if it was a soft G. Well, and saying. also this would this would say J A Y. I don't know if you can actually see the G A Y. Hold on, hold on, hold on, guys. This is super important. This is I don't important. Wanna... There oh, go. there now it is. Rogue. I get it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's official. Us. It's official. And now important. you know. It would say row J A Y probably with the soft. This is soft why yeah. I never trust the community when it comes to. That's why you got to go back. Do your own research, you know? Rogaine. <laughs> um, okay. So, Megan, what's your what's what's your next one? I'd say my next top jam. Let's see here. Okay, so I really love that no men too, but I would say my next one is probably the light from Hampton from 1021. Mm. I love how Trey and Paige are communicating in this jam. 10 minutes in, you've got those really cool noises. Again, love what Mike's doing. Fishman's delivering, of course, too. It's super crunchy and textured, and they have a great peak. But the peak is really, like, layered and interesting. And then they've got, again, another super cool, like, dissonant ambient ending. And this, I I really think this, this light's great. This was also a really, really good year overall for light. Um, yeah. The version from Camden is absolutely incredible from earlier in the summer. Uh, there's an amazing version from Dix that I believe closed the second set of um, night one of Dix, one, one of my favorite shows. Um, there's one from MSG on 1230. That's just stunning. Like this is kind of the end of light being the new song jam vehicle. Like this tour is really interesting in the sense of like this era is really interesting because set your soul free soul planet are going to start taking over. Mercury is going to have a really big fall 2018 and it's going to become the jam yeah. song of 2019. And then now, you know, blaze on, uh, set your soul free. will go big. Now soul planet's gone almost 50 minutes. Like we haven't had huge lights, uh, in the last couple of years and we see newer songs coming on and being the, you know, wave of hope is now kind of the light of, um, 4.0, you know, in terms of what light did for us back then, but this is a beautiful version. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I think this show's a little underrated too. It's got like the whole second set has got waves, light, possum, they all jam. It's great. And you've got a fun, like skin it back bust out that goes type one in the first set. And then it's got a great simple in that set too. Yeah, we're. I'm gonna. I want to talk about this show in the in the in the next section in more depth because it was a really what a it was a very great moment. Brian, are you gonna talk about the? Are you gonna talk about the eleven two? Mercury, no, I have a different jam as my second right. jam. So why don't you talk about that if that's what you want to do? Yeah, I thought because you <laughs> you know I left the morning of eleven two and then you you got to see that show that night. Um, I just think I was listening back to this today and it. It's notable not just because, you know, the the kind of full extent of the jam is kind of standard for the tour. And then it, it gets quiet and it almost sounds like it's going to transition into something else. And then this last eight minutes just turns into like this amazing celebration. And it's just really, it's not like a straight, you know, building to a huge peak. It's just sort of like a, 
it just feels like everyone is just it like blossoms into this celebration and it just it's such a great end to a really good jam but you know it almost it almost i feel like it sounds like it's going into taste or something and then totally and then they yeah. just bring it back from the ashes and man what a, what it's so fun it's a really fun adventure i mean i have very very fond memories of that um <clears throat> of being there for that and of and I, I love listening back to it you know that's the only time i've ever seen fish play a 20 minute jam in the first set um and i was clocking it and when it went over 20 minutes uh you can bet i lost my mind and uh i kind of went crazy. i guess i've seen a couple in 4.0 but like to that point i'd never seen one um but yeah it's like beautiful how they take the riff in mercury it's so different from so many of these jams we're talking about because it's not dark mm-hmm. it's very simple um they take the riff from mercury and just kind of delicately play it there's a lot of really good use of dynamics and then they slowly build it back up and like there's that moment i remember being in the venue i was with our good friend justin bruce uh two of our other good friends uh who we see a lot of dick shows with and we ended up going to the very last row in the venue for the show and we had all the space in the world and the venue's pretty small that like no matter where you're at you're like you have a pretty good view and great sound and we just had all this space and we we're hanging out and you hear trey playing that riff and then you hear fishman start to build it back up and the roar that like ripped through the venue as that was going on like I, i'm getting chills just like talking about it <laughs> because you just knew the whole fan base was like Everyone in there was like, oh my God, they're going to keep going. Like, this is, this is only going to build upon itself. Um, that show is really good. The second set is like, okay. we'll probably, we'll talk about it. In the, is, is this a pick? Oh no, you're going to talk about Hampton. I think we'll talk about the show again, but like, we should just note that like the second set just like flows really nicely together. There's so many moments on this tour where the crowd just goes crazy in the middle of jams. Like it's such an exciting thing to listen back to and hear just how invested everybody was. Yeah. And I think that that's like the Baker's dozen effect, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone is still so like the Baker's dozen at this point in time is like still so present in everyone's mind that like when the fan base is engaged, when the band is engaged, like there's just a, a relationship and a partnership there. Um, can I talk about my second jam? Yep. Yes. So my second jam is the last jam that they gave us in fall tour. It is the split open and melt that closed uh, November 3rd. Uh, November 3rd is a little bit of an up and down show. Uh, It kind of feels, I mean, there's some really, really good moments, but it feels like the tour kind of peaks with 11-2. 11-3 though, you know, you have this really interesting second set that, you got Carini, 46 Days, Sense of Cell Sounds, Cross-Eyed and Painless, feels like a little sweet uh, into itself, and then 2001 Possum. And they go into Melt, and I, at this time, Melt had crushed every time it had been played. There's a version from Hampton, there's a version from Camden, there's a version from The Gorge, all stunning. The version from MSG, 1229, was incredible from the year prior. This, to me, is the best Melt of this entire era. It is deep it is weird they go completely off the 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 uh you know parameters of what you should be playing it sounds like close encounters of the third of the third kind at times like the lights were just like going down and covering the band and then coming up and covering the crowd like chris was just using that moving rig like crazy but to me this version it 
showcases that the song, which we've seen now throughout 4.0, is not just about like aggression and uh, like weirding you out and like freaking mm. you out. It's about this like there's some really quiet, peaceful, beautiful moments within the jamming that they only find because they go so hard and so dark and then they let go and they back up and like pages synthesizers are just like the only thing you hear for a little bit. And you hear like some really beautiful melodies and it feels almost like traveling through a wormhole. And I'm just, I'm so here for any jam that sounds like that moment in interstellar when they go into the black hole. Like that is what this jam is. Yeah, it gets so quiet and it comes out like so pretty and melodic outside of it. It's great. They have so many really quiet moments on this tour and they're jamming. That's just, it really stands out. Dynamics are so important. Yeah. That's really, I also love the tube from that show too. It's really great. Super interesting. Really blissy and like a in like not just a normal, let's go for a peak type of way. Like it's just, it's, it's a really good use of the Leslie. Yeah, and like, how do they still have this many ideas this late in tour? It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a, amazing. It really is, and the fact that they do the the three shows after Halloween is a is I know. there's just there's so much happens. You know, I mean, we we didn't really talk about the eleven one show. Maybe maybe we should talk about that after a quick break. What do you guys think? I'm into it. Let's do it. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash helping friendly. That's distrokid with a capital K dot com slash VIP slash helping friendly for a special offer. Thanks, DistroKid. All right, so let's talk a quick. Well, let me just let me just talk about the the third night of Hampton um, as a as a don't miss show for me. So this was my hundredth show, and my my friend Kate, who you guys all know, um, unbeknownst to me, she made stickers that said RJ's hundredth show. And and you know if you're if you've been to Hampton, it's um, 
you know, but if you haven't, it's like any GA venue where you, you know, someone goes in and, and has to save an entire section and lays out like 30 coats and blankets and stuff. Um, so the, the whole weekend I was with mostly people I knew and we had an entire section that night and the night before the same section, not Mike's side, right up side stage. And, um, you know, I got, I definitely got some shit from, from a few people when they played the line in the second set, um, because it was my fault because it was my (laughs) hundredth show. Um, but you know, the, the first set, Megan, as you mentioned earlier, the simple is just so awesome. Um, really, really, again, celebratory, huge peak. And then, um, the second set is a little bit, I think it's a little bit up and down, like, especially after light, like the light is, is amazing as you were talking about Megan, but then it kind of like drops off a little bit. And, um, the more encore, which I was more than happy to have as, as the encore for the three day, three night weekend, um, they were taking off. They left after more and the, the base tech like walked up to grab Mike's base. Like they were like, you know, they were done. And, I remember like watching the guy like come up because I hadn't been on that side, like looking down right at Mike's rig, I think ever before. So I was definitely watching that guy and he was like going to pick up the base and then he was going to walk off and they were going to start like leaving. And then he like turns around and goes back and puts it back, you know, and everyone's like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? And so exciting. you get this, like you enjoy myself double encore. I mean, it was just such a, such a unique and, and amazing um, night and really like, you know, I think the other two shows have maybe more musical highlights, but but there are a few from the show that are just phenomenal, and and I'll always obviously remember that for for those reasons. But um, I want to just before before we get your feedback, I want to play one um, more voicemail. Um, someone who Please. was who was not not pleased with the way this this ended. Okay, so I saw your tweet about Paul. 2018 and like say what you will it was great but are you fucking kidding me no tweezer reprise in hampton you gotta gotta go from freaking hampton virginia to nashville just to get the tweezer reprise so bogus so disappointing did they forget was trey not in a good mood they ended they encored with more and yem and no reprise it couldn't fit two more minutes into it you gotta be kidding me over and out <laughs> the, the use of the word bogus is, is I something i don't hear a lot but i really appreciate it so great so great so mad still by the way this was so six mad. years ago he's still like you know what i have one thing i want to call in about it's fucking tweezer reprise oh what do you what God. do you think about that brian it honestly doesn't bother me that much. Um, I, I know some people that get really bothered by like not uh, our our gentleman on the voicemail, as well as like some of my friends who, if they don't close a run with Tweezer Reprise because they played Tweezer Reprise, or if they don't like close it out, like it's a sin. I kind of like the playfulness. I like the idea that like a tour with Fish, like the Nashville show two nights later is connected to the Hampton show two nights earlier. And, you know, like that to me is what separates this band from everyone else. Um, from a lot of other bands, like the sense that they left you hanging and they gave you more, no pun intended than, um, 
anyone expects in the encore. Like they played a, a, a very traditional one song encore and then came back on and played the fish song. I'm I'm usually the one to side with complaints and criticism. So like I just I just I don't know. Part of this might be like stemming from personal experience where well, actually, it's a negative experience, so we don't want to go that, that far. But like, I did see them close a show with no Tweez reprise and then play it twice in a row a couple nights later uh, for Hershey, Pennsylvania and for Hartford, Connecticut. And then they played it two time, two nights later, the next night, twice in the same show. So it's, you know, I don't know. It doesn't bother me as much. How about you, Meg? Are you Are you upset? No, I'm not upset. And actually, this is a perfect segue because this is my show that I want to talk that I think is underrated is the 1023 show. Do it. You know, it's it's pretty underrated. I was looking at like .NET reviews and now rating is offline. We're still not allowed to do it. It's obviously bad at it. But this show is pretty far in the list out of the It's rated pretty low compared. It's like rated high, but low in comparison to the other shows. And I think this 1023 show is fantastic. You open with the Twee Prize. It's again saying like, hey, we didn't give it to you there, but we're giving it to you now. And how fun is that? I think it's such a fun way to open. You've got some rarities in the first set. You've got the bust out of Cool It Down. It's 229 shows. Nice peak in theme. Kill Devil Falls is great. We'll stretch out in Wolfman's. And then like you were saying, Brian, this second set is incredible. Just wildly diverse jamming throughout the whole set. So many ideas, mics, ghost, and everything's right. And Ghost was my top jam of the tour. So I think this show is pretty underrated. Yeah, I think that this, like the first set is very much of kind of a barbecue set as I, as yeah. my, my close friend Dave Goldstein and I uh, note, like the, the ideal barbecue set is a good set that you don't really care about what happens within it. Um, because it's, you know, it's just, it's just good music, you know? So you throw yeah. it on your grill and burgers, it's fish, man. Like it's not going to really freak people out. But then you get into the second set, and it's absolute perfection, absolute perfection. Oh yeah. my god! Like yeah, perfect. Have, have I said perfect? Amazing enough? flow. It's, it's Amazing perfect. Flow. Perfect fish. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. I mean, you know, I got nothing to add. I think it's there's <laughs> the, everything's right. The everything's right from that show also really great. Um, it's it's a so good. Wild. It's a really good show, and um, yeah, slightly under under appreciated. Maybe I would I would vote for it. I would give it you know four at least if I could. Yeah, but, you know, can't I can't. Nope. I have been longing for the day where I can upvote some of these shows that I think are better than twelve thirty one twenty three, but they just won't let me. So this was before they were webcasting every show. This was, yeah. Mm. And Brian notes only show after Albany without circulating video. Um, well, we need to find it. I don't know if that's exactly true. They did not webcast the entire summer 2019, but I'd have to go back and double check. Well, we'll find out. Um, I'll just, I guess I just want to say the, the, just to connect to Wolfman's brother, the, the next Wolfman's brother they played is, is the next show I was going to mention, which is 11 one, which I was, I was at with Brian and Matt, um, Let's do it. I it was a fun, fun show. Great, great start. I mean, 
the ACDC bag into Wolfman's brother after and everything's right. I, I was, this was all like such a great set for me. Um, chalk dust in the, in the first set, what is like 18 minutes or something. Oh, so good. Yeah. It's so it's good. Jam. Mm-hmm. Not just, I mean, one of the most um, blatant third stone teases, not even a tease really. He's just like, oh, he's just playing. He plays it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Plays it for, oh, for a little while. Um, but it's just such a great, great set um the the blazon is what 20 minutes set set to opener and again this like i mean i guess this there's there's some kind of un unwinding after halloween although i do think that this 1031 show was a little bit less than less of a kind of build up you know like you don't i don't think you notice that much the difference between those three shows after and the shows before it doesn't feel like they were like you know like some halloweens were like this huge moment and then after after that it changes it just felt like they kind of like did this and then rolled rolled on to the rest of the vegas shows i also think just real quick on the 1031 set i hadn't listened to that set in a while man those songs are so undeveloped (laughs) and that's part of this like turtle in the clouds is like they have no idea what they're doing can can i tell a quick story about that set just because we're here yes so um my wife and I were going to go to these shows together and about a month before she decided she didn't want to go. Um, and so I had one extra ticket for the entire run and we used three of those as a, uh, contest at Osiris, a, um, guess the album fish was going to cover contest. And we were able to gift those tickets out to people to, to a very lucky fan, which was awesome. Uh, but I had a ticket for 1031 and I'm, and it just so happened. My dad was going to be in Las Vegas for a trade show uh, that weekend or that week. And so I invited him to the show and we'd seen one fish show together. It was the only other fish show he'd seen. Um, he and I went to the show together and as we're walking in, we get the playbill. And nobody knows what's going to happen. And we sit down and we read the playbill and fish is talking about how there's this long lost album that has inspired them. And my dad is a classic rock nerd. Like the whole reason I love music is because of my dad and the way he thinks about music and the way he like analyzes it. And he's sitting there and he turns to me, he goes, are you fucking kidding me, Bri? We are about to hear your favorite band debut one of the most important albums from the early 80s, and I've never heard it. And like my emotions <laughs> and my love is just like skyrocketing. Like I am just oh like, I'm, I'm so excited. And then at some point, like I get a text that like the all music guide has written about it. Like there's all these like layers to this. At some point, I got a text that said, this was a fish album and it like became very clear once the song started like, okay, these are fish songs. Yeah. But I forgot, I forgot to tell my dad that (laughs) I just like forgot, like we were in the moment and you know, my dad's getting joints passed to him and he's like, there's like, he's got his arms in the air during Santos, like screaming. Yes. I will always remember where I was, you know, it's just like peak, peak father, some moment. Like two weeks later, he texts me and he goes, have you found that album yet? I, he was like, I can't find it. I've been searching for it like on Spotify. Oh. I've been like looking for CDs. And it took me a couple of weeks, but like I had to finally break it to him that it was a fish album. Because oh like the, the joy of this being like a, a rock relic 
meant so much to the two of us in that moment. So it was, it was just, it was, it was a great show. It was a great time hanging with him and uh, <laughs> would not have been the same if I had not been with him. That is so great. They, they, and they went yeah, to the, it's amazing. went to the trouble of creating social media accounts. And I mean, it was, it yeah, was a very deep, it. it was very yeah. well covered um, kind of prank, you know? Um, yeah. It was a good prank. That was really, really fun. Um, got your dad. <laughs> Got him. Really? I mean, it got me initially, and then like, yeah. Uh, then you know, it was it was brilliant. It was it was absolutely brilliant fish fuckery on on a totally different level. Yeah. Yep. So um, we did a we did a uh, an episode of um, Under the Scales after I helped um, helped Tom with it, and we are interviewing people about the you know. I mean, it was all very much. I don't know. It was it was very uh, like mysterious after the fact you know like they're we're still trying to figure it out and um our friend craig who is a longtime friend of the pod had my favorite um theory or answer when um we were at we asked people what they thought santos stood for um and craig said some asshole named trey on stratocaster which is still <laughs> which is still one of the best like, answers to any fish question of all that's time. good that's um good. Anyway, that that so so Brian, we were um yeah. we were together on the 11, at the 111 show and we basically stayed up all night seeing music and we went to the the Disco Biscuits late night show um you me and Matt our, our friend Matt. It was just a uh, it was great. It was just great. Um that was a fun night. Yeah, we were at a bar in the MGM Grand before the show, and Matt opened an Altoids container, and uh, you and I debated over uh, indulging in the Altoids for quite some time, and then we finally decided, you know what, <laughs> let's just dive in. Um, and I sat with a good friend of the pod, who's probably watching right now, Justin Bruce, for this show, um, one section over from you guys, and you and I kept like checking in on each other, and like our eyes just kept getting wider and wider, and like our smiles kept getting bigger and bigger as the night went on. It was a really fun show. Like I think this is like not the best fish show, but it's like a really really fun uh, show. It's got a lot of diverse playing. You mentioned the chalk dust, everything's right, the Wolfman's, the Blazon. There's a really good twist in set two that's really eerie, and I was convinced for a while that they were going to play. Um, catapult and i got really excited and then they didn't play catapult <laughs> um the hairy hood's really beautiful um but then after the show i go and i meet up with you and matt and i get pulled into a black chevy sub suburban which is you know like exactly what you want in las vegas and taken to the brooklyn bowl to go see the disco biscuits and I have to write the fish.net review for the 11 one show. And I was like wanting to go back home, get like sleep and then get up in the morning and write the review. And the disco biscuits don't take the stage until like one 45 in the freaking morning. Like what? people are just hanging Pacific, Pacific time. Pacific you know, we're still on, I'm still on Eastern time at that point. It's like three days. It is so late. Time for you. It is so late. <laughs> And we were hanging out and we watched, I watched the whole show. Uh, they played until five o'clock in the morning and just melted wow. faces the entire night. Um, RJ kept disappearing and finding some food bar that they had set up in the VIP <laughs> section uh, that I couldn't eat at that time. I was just like, I was just going, I was like on electricity. And uh, <laughs> then I made it back to my hotel. And before I fell asleep, I wrote the fish.net review and I submitted it. And it's like, 
14,000 words and there's a bunch of like <laughs> historical digressions and there's like stuff about why you shouldn't play rise come together ahead of a midterm election during the Trump presidency. Oh my and God. Up, I'm going back to read this. Stop. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> this is also the night when Matt was like not able to be found by his wife. Wasn't there like Matt got like his wife was like locked out and she needed to get in touch with him and he couldn't be reached in his hotel room. I that feel like was this that is was that was not eighteen. I think that was twenty one. Okay. Okay. That was twenty twenty one. Different run. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> a, that's a different time. Story. Um, Matt, Matt goes on another level than than I can. Like it was it was great amazing. seeing him at like four thirty in the morning, just like still. He Ready. could he could go into like gear discussion and he could go into like podcast planning but he could also like fully focus and like get completely out to the music and like for me i was just like this is a lot of jamming yeah a lot, a lot of jamming, jamming. <laughs> and, and, and earlier that day we actually we did an on-stage interview at the brooklyn bowl with mark um and tom and i think matt and we talked about the the Casper Vox cover from the night before. Um, so I was at the Brooklyn Bowl like at one from one in the afternoon and then, you know, till four in the morning. Um, I remember not being like super freaked out at all that night until it was the pre biscuits show on the floor of the Brooklyn Bowl because like the lights were low and everyone, like all the Bisco kids with their like flat brims are kind of like, you know, milling yes. around. And I was like, oh, Such this is crowd. getting. This is getting strange. Um, anyway, I kept trying to understand if that crowd had been at the fish show or if they had just like slept until 1030 at night mm. and got yep. up and went to the best. Like yeah. there was everyone was everyone was so ready for that. And I was like, there was already a concert. Like, yeah. Why is yeah, everyone yeah, we've still already been somewhere? I don't, like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I was so blown away. Like late night after show concert culture is something I am not a part of. I, I yeah props to everyone who can do it i i learned a lot about myself and about society that night like things just keep going <laughs> learned a lot yeah. uh, the friends we made <laughs> megan what do you um, got um what are we talking about again i've lost uh, shows <laughs> um i mean i think let's see we've talked about a lot of my favorite shows from the tour what do you guys have and then i'll find out where i'm at I just have two others. Um, we've talked about okay. eleven two a little bit, but I'll just share like just a little bit more about that. Um, I think you know we, the first set's really quality. The Mercury is pretty stunning. The second set like really works for me in the sense that it's really good song selection um, and a lot of like that toe the line between micro and macro jamming. You know where none of these jams really get beyond 16 minutes, but they all have a lot of ideas and a lot of contained ideas. And you have moments like the disease kind of picks up on themes from soul planet. The Sally doesn't really go deep, but gets in this very cool churning funk groove. And the, I love um, that Sally. Yeah. It's just like, it I just rocks. It. And like, well, it, it's Ryan sent amazing. me a text and he was like, this is a Megan jam. And I was like, yes, <laughs> it's a Megan jam. <laughs> Well, and when right. they kick into light, Trey yeah. uses the effect from Sally in the chords so and light. And I've always loved that. And then that bleeds into Slave to the Traffic Light. It's kind of like, I don't know if this is my ideal second set, but like, if you're not going to get a 
giant tentpole jam or big bust outs. Like this is kind of a perfect second set. You know, it just like one song leads to the next. There's no really offensive mm-hmm. songs uh, selections. Even throwing Gaiuti midway in set two kind of works here. You know, it doesn't like throw things off. The band plays it reasonably well. And then you get this really special encore that you guys talked about when we covered this show uh, back in early December where Trey talks about how it feels like an old school show, which is something he never mm-hmm. says. Yeah. And the place lost it. Like, like the place just lost it when he acknowledged that. And you get hold your head up, bike, hold your head up, good times, bad times. Like not a shocking encore aside from bike being 113 show bust out. Um, but it's just enough to really remind you of how special this whole thing is and how yeah. like these yeah, types fun. of encores, like this was played in like 1991 as an encore. Yeah. 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 It's a good show. It's a great show. Um, I was thinking, I was listening to the 1024 show and made a note, which would, would apply to this show as well, which is, you know, I've heard down with disease so many times and it's, it's one of my most seen songs and like it almost always delivers, but I still always. don't really mm-hmm. like hearing it. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I don't know what it is. Like, I think it's probably my fourth, you know, fifth or sixth most seen song. But and it's almost always good. But I still like don't want it to open a second set, and I don't, I don't know why. Because the the evidence, (laughs) you know, shows that it's a that it always works. But you know, you hear like the the very beginning and the bass effects, and you're like, but then it it works. So I don't. What what do you guys think that's all about? Do you guys have that, or are you happy to hear "Down with Disease"? And and, and what is like the? What do you think that issue is? I think they've just done it so much, right? It's just like they've done it so much that you kind of expect it. Which is why I think they opened the game head set with it this year. Like it was just, you know, it's kind of like threw people off in that way. Yeah, it's like oh, second set we open with "Down with Disease." I think when you do something a lot, even if it ends up being good. You know, we like to have our expectations. Like we like to be surprised at fish, right? But but I have the I, opposite the opposite experience when they play Tweezer, which is my most sing song. So I've seen it same. more than anything. <laughs> but I would but Tweezer's always the best. Yeah, it's just I don't know. There's some disconnect there. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Like I agree with all the points you guys are making, but I don't agree with the core point that like I never. I don't know what it is. Every time they start disease, I'm excited. And I think part of it is the deliverable aspect. Like you're absolutely right. Every time you hear disease, you end up getting a really good jam. Um, There was a moment when I was in South Korea in 2009 when Fish was touring a ton and they had just come back and I'd only seen three shows. And I remember listening to a disease and like at that moment I was, you know, 24 years old and I was just like, I would do anything to see a fish show like literally oh, yeah. anything to see a fish show and i was listening to a show and they're playing disease and like the riff when trey finds the riff it is just like one of the most joyous pure moments at a fish show and i remember just being like when i whenever i see this band again like i want to like just celebrate every single one of these moments because you know for me fish had been gone and then i saw them and then i was gone but they're still playing like that kind of fucked with my head and when i went and saw them again in summer 2010 i saw the first show of summer tour and they opened with disease and i was just like this is the greatest convergence of you know everything right now um so i don't know like disease and 
Tweezer, I think I hold in that same category. Oh, Piper as well. They're like the songs that I see every three shows and I would never complain about seeing them. But like, I wonder if part of that is like, I used to love Run Like an Antelope. And now when they play Run Like an Antelope, I'm kind of like, we know what we're going to get. It's not really, yeah. there's no surprise. And like disease, you still have that surprise. Yeah, it can go big. And as Connor Amar says, just know that someone is getting their first Down with Disease second set opener and is so stoked because they called it and it was the first time <laughs> and they nailed it. So that's a good point. So great. <laughs> so, so, true. Good point. so true. So true. Um, I just um, want to give the a... Only, the only good, show good. I yeah. feel like we haven't talked a little, t- enough about is probably the 1026 Rosemont show. Mm. 100%. It's yeah. the most to top rated that. on fish.net for this tour. And I think the Reba from the first set is so beautiful. It's just an absolutely stunning version. It's soulful of like heart and soul. It's one of those versions that you put on and you're like, your faith in humanity is restored. You just feel better about life after listening to it. Absolutely love this Reba. We talked a little bit about this Mercury, but um, it just super driving, really exploratory, meaty jam. They just like dig into it. And again, with those like big crowd swells at the end, it just, just really fill your heart up. And then, of course, you got the Tweezer and the Golden Age, which we talked a little bit about. But both of these jams, just incredible. And what a way to start out the second set. Just good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I love this show. They they dinner and a movie this show uh, back in mm. summer 2020. Oh, yeah, really I forgot about up. that. It's just like a really good, excellent song selection, really great playing. There's like a little bit extra jamming at the top end of Punch, which is really nice. Um, I went and saw... Uh, a star is born the night of this show. And, um, I got out of the movie and my phone had just like blown up because, uh, one of Dave's and my, uh, pleas for fish during summer 2018 on beyond the pond was that they jam out mercury. So all of our fans were responding <laughs> to us and tweeting at us because they jammed out mercury and Dave and I both didn't webcast that night. I think he was at a concert and I was at a movie. Um, so that was just like a really fun little moment. Like, we were podcasting a ton at that point in time, like in engaging with people on a really big way. Um, but yeah, the tweezer golden age, like some serious, serious jamming in the second set. And the show falls off a little bit after that from a set listing standpoint, but it's still like, this was kind of like we were talking about with the Nashville show, even when they were playing fairly standard, they played well. And every yeah. show you were guaranteed of having like a really, really big tent pole jam. Um, so yeah, this is a great call. I want to give one very brief shout out to, um, and you guys are probably going to hate me for this because yes. it's in the chat thread, um, our text thread, uh, the show of life from 1016. Yes, oh, yeah. Heard me correctly. It you heard is. Me correctly. It is it amazing. Is it's like nine minutes long, and Trey just like leans into that melody and they get quiet. It's what we were talking about with like yeah. the use of dynamics on this tour. They could get so quiet and so pretty and be so dark one song prior. Like the song prior is a very heavy jammed out 20 years later. And then they go into show of life and the show of life is not just a standard version. Like this is a gorgeous, gorgeous semi jammed out version of this song that I encourage everyone to go out and listen to. I think so emotional. The end of the song, it's such a great version. It really is. It's, I think it's the, um, I think it's the only jam charted uh, version of the song. Um, not, not surprisingly, it might be. but, <laughs> but I, so I think powerful. this, sorry, sorry, Megan, go ahead. I was just gonna say the peak is super powerful. Yeah. I think for a, for a show or a tour opener, this show is pretty strong. I mean, the, I agree. I agree. 
It's really good. And this is where you, you, you hear in the tube, the everything's right. And especially the 20 years later, the Leslie, the, the spacey effects, the kind of layering and the texture. I mean, it's, and 20 years later, as I mentioned to you guys, not, not one of my favorites. Like, I don't really like that song. Um, I, there, I have I a couple it. other very controversial opinions, which I'll save for another episode about songs like that remind me of 20 years later. But, but this is, you know, you hear the sound and in the first, oh. first show of the tour, you get like a ghost second right? set opener, no men, Piper 20 years later, and then this good show of life and a Harry Hood encore. So, you know, and this, I, and this I, 20 years later, it's like well. dissonant and like murky and like dark yeah. and mechanical. And that's why the, the show of life is so perfect after, cause it's so beautiful and sweet. It's great. You get like the full picture of what this tour is going to yeah. be in the four gems from this show. You know, yeah. you have yeah. the kind of like sunny blissiness and the everything's right that will go right into cities that like showcases just like set list command tube is the second song of the overall tour. Like you said, Leslie, the synths, the clav, and then these two jams back to back, like we kind of get the format for what this tour is going to do. So true. And I'm kind of there for that space of music. Like, and I, yeah. I remember distinctly like coming off of summer tour, a little bit up and down. Dicks had some really, really great moments, but a little bit up and down. This show felt like, okay, it's fall tour. It's serious. The leaves are coming off the trees. Fish is playing Albany. They're going to play Hampton. They're going to play Nashville. They're going to play Chicago. And they're going to play Vegas. And they're going to play a Halloween show. Like It suddenly upped the ante of what this tour could be right away. Yeah. 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 I think this, um, you know, the 2014 Halloween show really like set them back on course to like kick ass on Halloween, you know? Yeah. I think yeah, the, yeah, the thrilling, yeah. thrilling yeah. was like a comeback Halloween. I think they they kept raising the bar. And I'm, I'm curious if they'll ever, like when the next Halloween show is going to be. I mean, yeah. Could it be this you year? Would, Maybe you would this, imagine year? this Maybe. year, but they're going to play Vegas in the spring. Atlantic so City? Right. I mean, Atlantic City would be very Ooh. cool. Go MSG for Halloween? So fun. Ooh. Ooh. Whoa. That MSG? would be crazy. Should we do it? We could actually do that. Them. That would be sick. I'll call them. Let me get them on. Call them and tell them. <laughs> tell them um, I could actually come to Halloween then. Okay. It was All right. It's done. I'll, I'll send us. I'll, I'll get in touch with Trey. Okay. Guys, what's Perfect. your um, what's your takeaway from, from this tour? Brian, you kind of just maybe shared one, but I don't know if that was, that was your only one. Oh, I have, I have one that I mentioned at the top that I'll just, I'll reiterate um, because I think it's important after we covered all this. Uh, like, I think you, for me, when I think about this tour and when I think about these tours in like context of the whole band's history, I think about the fact that you need breakthrough moments and um, the Baker's dozen is a breakthrough moment for the band. Uh, but you also need the will to keep pushing once you have broken through, like having the Baker's dozen and then going back to 2016 style fish would have felt like we had a really cool peak moment. And then we're kind of just an aging rock band again, and we're having fun and it's a good time, but it's not like really breaking down barriers and walls. Um, nothing in 4.0 is possible without the Baker's dozen. And to me, almost more importantly, fall 2018, like everything of where we are right now to me is from this tour, which comments on the Baker's dozen. And that's, that's my biggest takeaway from this on an overall scale. What do you, what do you got, Megan? Yeah, I think building on that, that when the band writes new music together, it inspires excellent jamming. So Mm. 
Kazvat Vox writing IROC together, doing Sci-Fi Soldier in 2021, thinking about both of those fall tours and the music and the jamming that came out of it, I think really shows that this band, when they write together, it, it inspires them and connects them in a way that I think inspires like next level jamming from them. Yeah, I think that continued into 2021, the fall, like, even though I think Mm -hmm. the sci-fi soldier is still like, I don't, I'm not a big fan, but, but the shows around that, like, as a result of amazing. Yeah. As a result of those sounds, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, it's almost the process, not necessarily like the music that inspires them, but spending that time together, writing that music, making these jokes. You know, I would say that Sci-Fi Soldier is even like a further inside joke feeling than Casvat Vox, which is maybe why it's like less successful outwardly. But I think internally it's really successful for them. Yeah, I think that's true. And less developed probably than the uh, (laughs) Casvat Vox. (laughs) A little less less well thought through, but... But but still good. Um, Thanks. Okay, so guys, we have Brian's heading to Mexico, so you know I think other people, Yay. other people are going to go to Mexico too. Um, Halloween in Miami. No. All right. Megan we'll says see. no. No. Megan said no. Well, we have we have one. So we have one thing to do. This is important. We have to do this. We have to have a document of this for every episode. So all these shows are obviously released on Live Fish. Oh right. Sorry, I always but forget. The, this part. If the band were to say, hey, we want to put out a vinyl release in, say, like 30 years, and we're going to do it from fall 2018, and it's going to be an official release, what show do you think that they should pick for this? 1023. That's my pick as well. Hmm. I mean, just waiting, waiting on you to break the tie here, RJ. I mean, yeah. sure. Yeah, 1023. Let's go. Oh, wow. I just think oh, that okay. second set, hearing that on it's wax so is like, that's 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 fish. You know, you get yeah. fun first set and then you get like, boom, everything that you want in 40 minutes. Yep. Well, it's like you Mike's say, Brian, ghost. you want to like right. put it on and not stop. Just like let it go. Like that's what that's you it. have to do on vinyl. And so this is it, right? It's the second set. Call. Yep. Call. Yep. I think that's a good, I think it's a good call. Um, I mean, so you Let know. the people know we are releasing 111996. We are releasing four sixteen ninety two, and we're releasing ten twenty three eighteen. Those are our initial picks here. Kevin Shapiro, if you're listening, if you're hanging out, having your coffee, just wondering what we're all about here. Those are our picks for your upcoming releases. I mean, okay? I, yeah. The only that the only downside. Come on, that would fucking only, blow people's minds. Seriously, come on. People like, would we lose need their that. shit. How has that show it. not been released? We need it. We need the it. The only downside of ten twenty three is the like four forty song first set, but but it's okay. There, there's some <laughs> there's some highlights. Maybe Funky Bitch is actually really good. <laughs> just set two. All right. Funky bitches. So okay, <laughs> Funky Bitch is the highlight of the first set. So that's how you know the set's good. Um, all right. So we have. <laughs> There's a little bit of just want to tell you guys, as you know, we're always extremely well prepared for the next episode. So there's the next episode is going to be in more than a week on Tuesday, the 27th. We're going to do a live afternoon recap of Mexico. And then the next um, episode will be the next week. And we will pick up this series with another 44 show tour. So we better we better get going. Should we tell people what it is so they can prepare? Because there's a lot of music. Yeah, because I forgot. Which one is it? This is spring 1994. So this is from 
April 94 till the end of May because wow. they took a break and then they had a summer tour. Hint, hint at another future episode. But spring 94, there's one jam that I'm so excited to talk about. And then there are a bunch of other jams that I can't wait to talk about. There's a lot. It's just, this is going to be fun. This uh, is almost, 94 fish. Almost directly aligned with the fan vote and our vote on this one. So yeah, Yes. Yes. Exactly. Oh, yeah. We're, right, we're on the same page with the fans. Yep. Yep. So stay tuned for that. Um, thank you guys for hanging out with us this morning. It was great. And um, everyone who's listening, thank you. And um, yeah, we'll see you. So we'll see you on the 27th for Mexico recap. Have fun, Brian. Have fun, everyone who's going. I know it's going to be great. See you guys. Bye, everyone. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Hello out there! Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!